All right, if you brought a Bible, you need to go ahead and get it out. Uh, and if you didn't, there should be one close to you underneath the chair in front of you. We want everybody to have a Bible in their hands. If you use your phone, that's fine. But whatever you do, we want you to be able to open up the word. We're gonna be in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter eight. 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Uh, we're gonna continue on in this series uh, that we've titled Stress No More. And uh, what we said uh, last week, or what we at least um, discovered, is that um, whether you like it or not, the Christmas season is rapidly approaching. Black Friday is like, I don't know, it feels like it's tomorrow. In fact, um, there are already Black Friday deals. I don't even know, I don't know how this works, but somehow stores are saying Black Friday deals not on Black Friday. So um, it's already here, and, uh, and what that often does is uh, it tends to steal the joy out of Christmas season because we're thinking about how much money we have to spend at, that we don't have, uh, or we're, we're going to spend the money, but we've got to spend uh, this amount, X amount, issue of finances, and so what we wanted to do is just for a couple of weeks, we wanted to tackle the issue of what God has to say about money because he talks about it. Uh, and we want to know what his heart is so that when we go into Christmas season, our hearts are ready and we're seeing and understanding what it is that God has to say about it. So that's what we're doing uh, this morning. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump uh, into um, the word together. Let's pray. God, would you come here and would you make yourself known? You are the, you're the faithful one who has preserved your word throughout the ages. You've, pre- you've preserved it, you've declared it, and you then have faithfully given it to us, shared with us your truth. But then not only that, then you sent your Holy Spirit then to make it alive so that it's more than black words on a page or red words on a page. It is the word of life. And your promise is when we engage this word that it it produces, it causes something inside of us. So Lord, would you produce something in us? Would you form something inside of us? Would you release something inside of us? This is what we're asking for you to do. And we know that you, only you can do that. No pastor, no preacher, can make that happen. This is an, a work that you have to do. So we're coming to you. Would you release your truth, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. anybody there?
So we'll use wooden spoons. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, thank and... God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. I don't know how many of uh, you have ever seen Les Mis. It's a phenomenal story. I love that clip. Probably my favorite part in that clip is uh, the face of the minister's wife. Uh, whenever <laughs> he's giving the, uh, the silver away. When, when, you, when we see expressions of radical generosity, it kind of, it undoes you, Right? This picture is a, this, this clip here is an incredible picture of not just generosity, a heart that's willing to give. Now hear this. It's a picture of generosity in the face of evil. It's, it's a picture of givenness when the guy didn't deserve it. In fact, he deserved opposite of it. See, we have moments where um, this might have happened to you when you were like graduating from high school and uh, or graduating from college and maybe you had a little party and then all your aunts and uncles came together and they, they, they gave you some money and what they said is congratulations, you worked so hard uh, on your degree and um, not that you had a choice, your parents made you do it, but you, uh, but you finished your education Great job. Here's some money to help you with whatever's next. Buy that laptop that you're going to need for college, or you know, you need to. Uh, you graduated from college, and you need to actually dress like a human being now, and so get it. Buy you a suit so you can actually get a job. Whatever it was, they were saying, "Hey, uh, listen, we want to bless you. We want to give to you because you've worked so hard for it. You've done well. You finished the task." 
We understand those measures of generosity, but when we see generosity that comes when they don't deserve it, it kind of like, it nails you. And, and you look at it and you go, just why, how? And, and you start to ask the question, I mean, man, I don't know if I could do that. And of course, it's easy for Hollywood to do it and it's a beautiful picture, but we prob- you've probably heard or seen or been a part of stories where someone maybe was generous with, with you radically generous with you, or, and, it, and it stirred you, it moved you. And I just, where this comes from is simply from the heart of God, this kind of generosity. It's just who God is. And we just see it all throughout Scripture. Uh, I, I read this Scripture to you um, as we were getting ready to worship, but I just want to say it over you again. Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to look at the grace of God that is expressed through radical generosity, right? Ephesians 1, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Now, the the question is, is why did God do this? And look at what it says. According to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. Now, look at what he says. All the riches of his grace, God lavished upon us. Lavished. So you have to understand something about the heart of God. This is what's brimming up in him. If you're wondering a question, you know, like, how does God operate? How does he think? In this case, in this instance, we were totally broken. He lavished grace Upon us in all his wisdom and insight, meaning he sees things and knows things that we don't know. And what he's saying is, is I'm radically, I'm radically generous. Have you ever thought about the issue of grace? In fact, I think that clip is so powerful, right? That's what we see is this, this, this radical act of grace upon this man. He should have been taken to jail, and instead he gets, he's been given money, literally can transform change his entire life, and it's this kind of grace, and you're wondering, that what is motivating this kind of action? And, and what God wants to show and express to his people is the grace of God comes from radical, radical generosity. It's who he is. It's who he is. Matthew chapter 7 Verse 11, it, we'll just throw it up there. You don't have to turn. But if you then, this is Jesus speaking. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. So I love the, I love the scripture because Jesus is just keeping it real. Like, if you then, who are basically gross, right? Apart, I mean, just, hey, he's just keeping it real. Uh, this is the stuff that you don't, you know. You know there's lots of highlights in Jesus' sermons, and this one, he's just like, hey, if you, who are a total mess, is what he's saying, give good gifts to your children, which is about to take place in the Christmas season, if you, knowing that your heart is kind of messy and, and selfish and dark, and that's essentially what he's trying to say when he says, you who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things 
to those who ask. So it says, if, if you have given, if you've ever expressed generosity, if you've ever received generosity, if any of that has ever come in, in this life, if you've ever seen it take place in your own life, in this life, if you're, watch that happen. Listen, it's nothing in light of a perfect father who's good, who wants to lavishly give his goodness. And I want to just submit to you that what separates God from all other created things is this radical generosity that's in his heart. The entire narrative, hear this, the entire narrative, the entire story of the gospel is a father who gives his one and only son. This is a kind of generosity. It's hard to get your mind around. It's hard to even fathom or understand. For God so loved the world, he he gave. He gave. It's just who he is. He is radical, unending, inexhaustive generosity. There's no end to it. Just total givenness, even in the face of evil. This is what we see. In the face of obstinance, when he was being mocked, when Jesus was being mocked himself, so radically generous, Jesus hanging on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them. That's that's a kind of charity that is beyond our wildest imagination. It's something that we have a hard time getting our head around, yet it's central to who God is. If you've ever wondered, what is God like? Radical generosity is at the centerpiece of who he is. Just gives. I love that you can spend a life running from God, Struggling against him, pushing, building up walls, keeping him at arm's distance, turning from him. And at the moment that you're willing to just say, just mercy, God, forgive me, mercy, that God radically receives that story that you may have heard if you grew up in church. Jesus wanted everybody to know about his father. It's the story of the prodigal son who has run as far away from God as you can possibly run, has turned his back on God in every conceivable way you can turn your back on a father running away. And what does it say? Luke 15, 21, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you. He comes back, he sees he's a mess, and he returns. Father, I've sinned against heaven before and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. This is insane. 
can we just agree? This kind of general, this kind of action, this kind of thought process, it's so far beyond anything I think we could get our minds around, and yet this is what Jesus is screaming. This, this is what God is declaring about who he is. It's so unbelievably, it's, honestly, it's scandalous for God to be this way. It kind of, it, it, it should a little bit mess with you, your mind. I just mess with you internally. If you see these pictures and hear these stories and, and just for a moment internalize what God is doing and what he's declaring and how he's showing himself, it's beyond anything. But I want you to hear this. And this is what's so powerful. This is who God is, and listen to this, and it's who we are becoming. There's no question about the generosity of God. No, there's, it, is an, it is without question in all the counsel of all the scripture who God is. But listen, it is who he is without question, but it is also who we are becoming. Part of the call, part of the declaration over every one of us is this is where we're going. This is who God is making you to be. This is who God is making me to be. We're actually meant, crafted, created by God to be, reflect, show who he is. This radical generosity that we see in God, listen, God's speaking it over you. It's calling us to it. That one of the many ways God is going to display his goodness to a broken world outside of these four walls is he's gonna say this. Follow me and trust me and become like me. Generous scandalous generosity. This is the call. This is what he's moving us toward. That's what he wants to do. In a culture, listen, in a culture that is constantly saying, you gotta get yours. That you're number one and it's time to get mine. Have it my way. In a culture that literally, Almost every commercial image in some way is saying, listen, make sure you get paid. Make sure you get yours. Make sure nobody takes advantage of you. Make sure nobody pulls or steals from you. You make sure you get yours. God's flipping the entire thing upside down and saying, no, in fact, I want you to give it all away. Everything that I have, I give to you, and I want you to just begin to open your hand up in radical generosity and trust. And so herein lies the tension. Is inside of us is this war to be selfish. And we all know it. We all feel it. I don't care what your age is. 
or where you're at in this journey. We all feel this tension to make sure that we have enough. And God's saying, listen to me, I have enough. I want you to open your hands in generosity. Now, look at the way that you're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And Paul's talking to this church, and listen to this. This, this, is where this. this is where the stress comes in our life, right? This is where we feel the weight of we all have needs, then we all have wants. Uh, and, and I'd say in a, a culture that has plenty to offer and plenty to receive, this is where the stress comes in. It's looking around and feeling like we don't have enough or we don't have what they have. We talked a little bit about this last week that we look, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses or we feel a, a weight to have to spend an amount of money or we're up to our eyeballs in debt just trying to make life go forward and we feel the weight and here's where this stress comes because we have wants, we got needs and then we've got this radically generous God calling us up and look at what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verse seven. Just as you excel in everything, so he's speaking to the church saying, listen, you're excelling in faith and in speech and in knowledge in complete earnestness and in your love for us. I mean, in all these ways, you're seeking to excel. You want to be loving people and kind people and you want to be people full of faith and you want your words to be meaningful. These are all areas that God is growing as people. Look at what he says. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. So what Paul is, is doing is he's looking at the church, and in fact, uh, if you were here last week, one of the things that we saw is that this church is actually dirt poor. They don't have money anyway. It says, in fact, like he says, it came to you and you were in extreme poverty, and that even in your extreme poverty, you just, you gave so lavishly out of your heart, and it was just so meaningful. And he says, make sure that if we're, of all the graces of God that we excel in, let's excel in the grace of giving, and so much of the stress related to our money is because uh, we take our finances and we hold on to it with two fists, gripping it like it is life and death. It's one of the painful parts of this culture that we live in, is that we actually have more than anyone else in all the earth, and we hold on to it like this. I mean... Just can't let go. You, you guys seen Lord of the Rings? Y'all seen Lord of the Rings? A few people. You seen Lord of the Rings? You, get, you know Gollum? You guys like Gollum? Just no, nobody likes him. He's freaky, right? Nobody likes Gollum. There's one, Gollum has one narrative. His precious. He has to have the ring. And he can't let go. And it's, again, this is a beautiful picture. It's destroying him. And he can't, he can't let go. And I, this is the picture that we often wrestle with in, in, an, in a culture that has plenty. We often look at plenty and just cling to it. And God is saying, listen, there are many graces for you. See that you excel in the grace of opening your hands up. Because, listen, this is who I am. 
Listen, not to make the church go forward. Hear this. Not to line the pockets of ministers or leaders, not to make churches be able to have buildings. There's none of that in his heart. What he's saying is, listen, this is a critical piece to who God is. The gospel is declared. The gospel comes alive when radical generosity is seen. People's hearts are moved when this takes place. This is what God is doing. And the problem is this, listen, in our natural state, in our fallen state, generosity never feels normal. I want you to hear this. Generosity does never feel normal. In fact, it feels like we're losing something. And it never feels normal in our, in our current state. And in this culture that's constantly saying you need to get or you need to acquire or you need to have whatever you want when you want it, and when it's celebrating that, then, then the idea of generosity, being like God, it feels awkward. And so he says, uh, as we go down through this next test, he says, listen, I want you to see uh, finances the way I see them. And he, and he says, I'm going to flip the thing upside down. And you'll get this. If you're a farmer, anybody, uh, anybody in here like come from an agriculture or farming background? Anybody? Want a couple? Yeah, raise your hands just so we can see. Kind of, sort of. You're like, I had a, I had a chicken one time. and that's, So I'm in. I'm in. Okay. I don't know. Okay, maybe this is bad. How many of you garden? Are, are any gardeners? Raise your hand. Just a few faithful gardeners left. The rest of us are just like, hey, listen, Whole Foods. You know, I got this. I'm good. All right, you want your... You can, you can do your organic, or I'll just overpay for it. Okay, no problem. All right? Okay. So, I'm sorry, was that? Okay. Um, this, is, this is somebody in here that works at Whole Foods. We're going to have to have a conversation. I love you. I love you. It's okay. All right. Now, what Paul is going to say in 2 Corinthians, and if you haven't read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you just need to read them. This is your homework. Read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, because this, this whole thing, he's expounding on the heart of God and generosity and how it's manifesting in the church. But look, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. You can flip over there. 2 Corinthians 9, look. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So here is the principle and, and here's the problem. Now, listen, you guys that are either your quasi-farmers uh, or your gardeners, you know this. If you put one seed in the ground and you water it and you try to take care of it and then you step back in your garden and you go, why do I not have a lush garden? Okay? Then people will think you're insane. They'll look at you and they'll go, well, okay, you don't have a lush garden. How many seeds did you put in the ground? And you'll go, well, I put one. I put one in there. And then they're going to look at you and go, hey, you need some counseling. <laughs> this is not how it works. If you're a gardener or if you've, that you know, or if you're an entrepreneur, yeah, now it is. I can see your eyes. You guys are entrepreneurs. I can see it. All right, the gleam in your eye. You're ready to start another business right now. Okay? That's awesome. Listen. You know this. It's, uh, it takes money to make money, right? You've heard, you've heard that before? It's act, actually, there's a biblical principle that if you want to see 
the garden come up, you got you to gotta sow the seed. You got to get it out there. That if you have, God's put in your heart a business to build, you know it's going to take a massive amount of effort to pour into the business before you ever get anything back from the business. This is a principle you can't get away from. It's actually biblical. And the biblical principles apply to all people. You can be atheist in this room right now. Let me tell you something. This principle exists. And he says, listen, if you sow sparingly, listen, if your hands are like this, you're not ready to give. If it's not in your heart for charity, for generosity, you need to understand Don't expect a massive haul. And if you sow bountifully, if you give big time, you reap bountifully. That's the image. That's the picture right there. Now look at this. Look at verse seven. Look at what he says. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now I love this scripture because this, this work destroys a whole bunch of mess that often churches have made with the issue of money. Churches are sometimes the worst when it comes to the issue of money. And what Paul is saying in here is, listen, here's the principle. If you want to reap big time, if you want to receive, then listen, you gotta, you've got to give. Open the hands up and give. But then he says this, listen, in your heart, give what is in you to give out, not reluctantly or under compulsion, meaning no one banging on the door, making you feel guilty. Now, I love this. I love this about a heart, the heart. This is the heart of God, right? Radical generosity, calling us all each into a place of generosity, but he isn't doing it with a heavy hand. He isn't looking at his people going, well, you oughta. If you don't, I will smash you. And I'm telling you, there are too many people that believe this, this about the heart of God. You don't put in your time in prayer. You don't read enough of the Bible. You don't give enough in church. Sorry about you. He says, listen, here's the principle. If, if it's in your heart to give, understand, give. But listen, don't do it because I'm smashing you. He just wants you to understand the principle. Open. Oh, those who are open-handed, they're going to get. I'm going to take care of them. That's the principle, but we're not doing this under compulsion. I love that about his heart. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So, so I'm sorry, let me just say it. Give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, meaning uh, you don't try to have to get happy about it. What he's saying is whatever's in your heart to be, glad, to, to be glad to do in terms of generosity to the world around you, God loves this heart because it's who he is. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it's written, he is distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving, gratitude to God. You hear what he's saying here? Listen, God provides as we give generously. 
We are stressed to the max because we're doing this number. And what God is saying is it, it doesn't work in God's economy. In American economy, this is what you do. In God's economy, it's saying, listen, if you become generous like he is generous, God will provide. He has the answer. This is who he is. This is the God that we serve. And it's ironclad, it's guaranteed. So generosity becomes the foundation for healthy finances. Listen, generosity is actually the foundation for healthy finances. You can try to put, let me tell you, you try to put your trust in a really large bank account. And we've seen it over and over and over again. It cannot and it will not satisfy. It, can't, it won't. Because there are rich people all over the earth who are taking their own lives in misery. And there are people who have been invested in many industries in one day have lost it all. And listen to, I, this is not an anti-wealth uh, sermon because God owns it all. He's the wealthiest. So God doesn't have a problem with wealth. He's ready to give it, but what he does is he just wants to give it away. He he wants to help people and minister to people and show kindness. He wants to express grace and generosity. It's what he wants to do. So if you have a large bank account, I thank God for that. I'm so so thankful. And what God is just saying here is let's have generous hearts. Let's come in, in alignment with who he is. And so the question is this, and I know we're gonna start winding down, but the question is this, is listen, how? How do we line ourselves up with God's heart for generosity? If, like we said last week, if 70% of Americans are experiencing stress related to their bank account or related to their finances, then how do we begin to operate with a spirit of generosity so that we can be, uh, have peace and health in this area? This is the question. And of course, the answer is, and this is, you're gonna go, man, this is so radically profound, but generosity has to be a priority. So the, the only way, the only way for this thing to shift is for us to go, listen, I gotta start operating in God's economy and not my own. I have to see it. And so, and that's what he said, right? That's what he says in verse six. We, we sow, then we reap. So meaning, first, generosity, then reap. Understand, this, this is what he's saying. And they're always, but in this idea of, of givenness is this, I, that there's always this kind of tension, right? This is actually true in all of life, right? Uh, whatever it is that you want to make a priority, do you not always feel like there's something trying to destroy it? You've ever been there? All right, you want uh, spending time, you want to be spending time in the word of God to be a priority, and man, something like blows up the next day, right? You're like, I'm ready, I'm gonna get up in the morning, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna sit down, I'm just gonna... Just, I want to sit down and hang out with God. I just want to get my heart ready for the day. I just, this is a new thing. And what happens? Like all your kids start throwing up in the middle of the night. And there's no way that you can get up in the morning, right? Is that, you know what I'm talking about? No? Is that, that was a little graphic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, 
You, you're like, I'm ready to go get healthy. It's just, it's time for me to be healthy. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna fix my diet. I just, I, I need to start doing something. <laughs> this, is my, this is me personally, you know. Like, hey, let's, let's get this thing in order. I'm gonna eat, I just wanna eat some fish and some chicken. So I wanna get some omega-3 fatty acids in me or whatever, you know, whatever that's called. I don't know what it is, but you know, whatever. I'm supposed to get that stuff in me. And then what happens? Your aunt brings a massive plate of brownies over and says, I love you. Here's my generosity to you, Right? <laughs> And all of a sudden, there's always, whatever it is that you want to prioritize, it just feels like there's this effort to destroy whatever it is that you, right? This is true of anything, wherever we want to step out in places of health. And I would just say, let me tell you, the moment we say, God, I'm ready to be generous. I want to just trust you with my money. Guess what? The thing is coming to destroy the priority. And the only way here, the only way that a priority can become a priority is by making it a priority. And I'm sorry. I wish there was a better way, like, well, if you, there's this magic thing where if you, like, climb up a tree and pull the pixie dust off of the cone, then you'll be generous. And so I don't know why I said that. But I, yeah, I just, you just, something's, you, you want the fairy dust to make you generous, and the answer is this, listen. It just starts by just saying, listen, God, I'm gonna trust you with, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be generous first. And, and that's how this is going, this thing is going to happen. And so here's what I wanna say. God's given us uh, the, the invitation to come up like him, to be, to be like him. And so we wanna just trust him in stepping out in it first. And one of the biblical expressions that we saw through um, through, through the scripture and certainly through the Old Testament, biblical expression of prioritizing the heart to be generous is the, what God put together was called a tithe. You heard church, in fact, we took a tithe, we took tithe offering. You heard, we use that word. And in fact, if you've heard the word tithe, you likely think it means this. Tithe is where we take a pause in the service and we give some money to the church. And this is what the tithe is. And in fact, that's not what tithe means at all. In fact, tithe means 10%. That's what it means. Tithe means 10, 10%. And here's the principle. That God called the people and he said, listen to me. Take the first 10%. This is, this is just the biblical expression of I'm going to prioritize my generosity before the Lord. He said, listen, I'm going to take, take the first 10% and God gets it before anybody else. Before Walmart can get their grubby hands on my cash. Or Amazon. Or Target. I'm meddling now. I'm so meddling. Before Target gets my money, I'm, God, you get my money. You get, because listen, because this is a hard issue. It's a hard issue. Because there is a principle here that generosity comes before so, uh, re, reaping. The sowing comes before reaping. So meaning, listen, God's ready to give. God's ready to meet. God's ready to lavish. He's, he's a big giver. God's ready to give away, but he's saying, listen, this is how it goes. And I just, let me just, even as I say this, let me just address this really quickly. And we're gonna go a little bit over, so you guys just hang with us. Oh, you need to hear this. 
The church is, some, is honestly has been some of the worst at dealing with this issue. And let me just apologize to you for every minister that has asked for $2 billion for a private airplane. And let me, let me apologize to you for pastors who have done a, a big like sermon on money and then taken an offering right after that sermon, right? The church has often been some of the most untrustworthy places. So when I'm talking about tithe, it might seem like, all right, all right, pastor, here's your money, grub. And I just want to tell you, I apologize to you for ways that you've seen finances misused or mishandled uh, within the church. I think, I think the church has a lot of repenting to do. I think the world would benefit greatly by the church being honest with its unhealthy attitude towards finances at times. Sometimes in the name of faith, when the principle is always generosity, it's just always about God's heart and who he is and calling us up to it. And that's what this really is about. That's the faithfulness of God. I wanna just say to you, I'm so thankful. I, I actually grew up in a godly home. And so my parents like, hey, I'm in a minute, I got a job, my first job at Foot Locker. I was selling shoes like nobody's business. In fact, I, I, I got a job at Foot Locker and they gave me a paycheck, and then I literally turned it around and gave the paycheck back to them so I could have awesome shoes. <laughs> so that's the sewing that I did. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you this, but 10% of it, Michael Jordan didn't get to touch. I'm thankful, and listen, I can say this, God is taking care of me every step of the way. Never, ever, ever had one. The Lord has faithfully taken care of me. Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10. I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to get to uh, an awesome just declaration of God's faithfulness in one of our leaders. Um, Malachi 3, 8. Will, you, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? Now look at it. He says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This, again, tithe is just 10%. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. Now listen. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now listen to me. The only place where God gives us a green light or a thumbs up to test him is in the issue of finances and generosity. Just test me. Try it. Give it a shot and see if I will not open the floodgate. This is his heart. So this is... God's saying, listen, faith into action here. This is generosity. This is who I am coming up. And so this foundational piece of generosity is where we all just get to say, God, you get the first thing from me. I just want to say it. God, you, this is where we just declare. This is the principle here. Listen to me. You know what the truth is? The New Testament doesn't say anything about tithe. This is an old school principle. I think it's a brilliant one. I think it's in God's heart. I think he just says, listen. Actually, the character and the principle is generosity. Tithe is a, a benchmark just to say, listen, God, first 10% is totally yours, and I'm operating that way for the rest of my life. And then the truth is this. I think God, I mean, just, I'm going to be really radical because I know this. In fact, in America, the average charitable giving, this is including Jesus followers, is 2%. 2%. 
2%. That's the average amount of charitable giving that Americans do, 2%. That's average. So I want to say this. So saying things like tithe or 10%, it feels radical. It feels just a little bit like, hey, this is crazy. And I understand this can be one of those uncomfortable places, but I, I want to just put forward the generous heart of God and say, look, can we trust him uh, in this way? I believe this is what God wants to do. I think he's calling us up into this place and that we have a radically loving and giving God who calls us to radical faith and trusting him for a radical life and radical abundance in our lives. Just so you understand This is kingdom economics. It's not American economics. And I don't know. Listen, I don't know how this works. I don't know how this works. But here's the promise and the indication is that you will have more on 90% than you will on 100. I I legitimately don't know how it works. All I know is trust him in this and see what God will do. I'm gonna ask uh, just one of our, our leaders to come up. Um, one of our elders, Bob Stout, is uh, not only a good friend of mine, but a phenomenal, incredible leader. And I've just asked him to share a brief story uh, in his own life with respect to this issue of giving and, um, and finances. And so would you guys help welcome Bob up here? I'm gonna say... Is this working? Hello? I'm going to say thanks, maybe, for inviting me up. Um, this, is, um, this is tough, but uh, Tracy and I were praying about um, doing this after Keith had, had approached me about it. She said, you know, I think maybe we're supposed to share some of our junk. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what church really ought to be about. It ought to be about a group of people that are following Jesus and that are trying to help each other and uh, sometimes sort of sharing some of the hard life lessons we learn I think is a great way to maybe encourage each other so so I'll do my best um, I, I leaned over to Tracy a few minutes ago I've got notes here that I'd prepared and I said I think I'm going to go off script and I saw like fear shoot out of her eyes <laughs> but uh, we've had an amazing uh journey together over the 36 years that we've been married and you know we've had awesome times a lot more great stuff than than bad stuff but we've been through some tough times Uh, been through some tough times financially been through tough times with family issues Um, but on the financial side it's one of those things where you think that you're going to reach a point where you kind of have it all figured out and you sort of go on cruise control and it all blows up Um, sometimes through no act of your own other times through Uh, what Dave Ramsey calls stupid tax. Um, You know, we make bad decisions and it comes back to bite us and we've certainly had our share of those. Uh, And I've had the amazing experience of getting to travel the world and to meet some phenomenal people and to to experience what most of Americans don't see and that's where the poorest of the poor live and to to meet and be with the poorest of the poor in places like Haiti and China and, and in India. And so that's sort of the collective background of of what I want to share with you this morning is, you know, it's really not about dollars and cents. It is about the heart. 
because uh, some of the happiest people I've ever met are some of the poorest people I've ever met. And to stand in a church in Haiti that's built out of concrete blocks with no air conditioning, no electricity, there's a big noisy generator running outside to power the sound system, and to stand and sing I Surrender All with that group of people is really, really humbling because it makes you ask yourself the question, have I really surrendered all? But um, about two and a half years ago, God really began to work on, on me and particularly Tracy and I both. But I, you know, I realized I had a pride issue. And you know, I'd made some poor decisions. And we were living a lifestyle and, and, and had become prisoner, uh, if you will, to that lifestyle, especially to our home. You know, we bought at the top of the market. Things were great. I had a killer job. I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. Uh, and a couple of years later, you know, my income was half of what it had been. And we began to dump expenses as quickly as we could, but we could never get out of the house. You know, we, we owed more on it than it was worth. And so finally, I reached a point where I realized that we just had to lay this down to the Lord and, and that I was being, uh, being foolish in trying to continue to, to own this, you know, brick and stick um, place that we called home. And I invested so much of my emotion in that. And so we prayed about it. We were fortunate that God brought us a godly uh, couple to counsel us on the real estate side. We listed it for sale, knowing that we weren't going to get what we owed on it. And, you know, knowing that the bank had pretty much refused to do anything about it. But lo and behold, God brought a buyer and he brought a, uh, a godly family uh, and the father of this young woman was a retired banker who understood, you know, how banks work and think and how real estate works. And he was able to basically work a deal out that we hadn't been able to work and we were able to walk away. And so we moved to East Nashville. We dramatically cut our housing expenses. We, we rented it. It's a nice house. It's in a scary neighborhood. But uh, sometimes, sometimes you have to go to scary neighborhoods to get, uh, you know, lower rent. Uh, but, uh, you know, we got rid of one of our cars. Um, we, you know, again, began to adjust everything we could adjust. But there was something that kept nagging uh, at me. You know, we've always been givers, and I would, you know, say we've been good givers. Um, I've always felt generous. Um, I'm the crazy guy that gives the homeless person 20 bucks when I bump into him on the street corner. And after I watch him, you know, fall over and pick himself back up, uh, I wonder if I've made the right decision. But uh, God really began to work on me about tithing. And I was one of those that for years, I, um, it just the word tithe made me cringe because I, you know, had been exposed to the grubby, money-hungry preachers who, uh, you know, basically abused the, the wealth of their congregation. And, uh, but God really, really began to, to teach me this principle of generosity and that it really wasn't about the money. It was really about my heart. And, you know, when I approached the, Tracy with this, um, not surprisingly, because this is how God works, she was like, you know, I've been thinking the same thing, that we need to step out on faith and we need to increase our giving. And so uh, about a year ago was when we were kind of struggling through this and we just decided that we were going to do it. Um, you know, my business, I run a company, I have a big fancy title, I'm president, but I work for a bunch of people uh, who by their own admission are narcissistic and self-centered. Um, 
But, uh, you know, the company has gone through ups and downs, and it's, it's in a down cycle right now. And so there's been question about whether my job was going to continue. Um, but through this, again, we just said, you know, we just need to step out and do this. Well, we made that decision. About the time we made the decision and wrote the first check, um, I got a call and, and was offered a consulting opportunity with uh, a company that I know well, and my board approved it, and so now all of a sudden we had some additional income coming in. And as the year has um, progressed, uh, things have continued to kind of go our way, if you will. Um, one of the other things that, that kind of happened during this time, as Keith talked about earlier, um, the, you know, the enemy did come after us. We started, you know, having unforeseen expenses, things popping up. But we just continued to pray and continued to trust God that he'd be faithful. And so he has been. Our daughter got engaged uh, last November. And so I was just totally apoplectic about, you know, how we're going to pay for her wedding, uh, knowing that, you know, it was going to be coming up in a year. And we just had her wedding last Saturday. And guess what? It's all paid for. Um, and, and so it's, so even though I'd, I'd spent several years trying to, you know, earn my way out of where we were, um, things didn't really start to, to happen for us or break free until we began to focus not on getting, but on giving. And, and through this time, we've also been able to support a friend of ours who, uh, has started a prison ministry. We've been able to support a, um, Another friend of ours has been doing mission work in Africa, and just all these opportunities have come, uh, I think, because, again, our perspectives changed. It's not about what we have or what we want or what we need. It's about trying to focus on what does God have for us, what does he want for us in order for us to be able to help others. And, and that's really what I wanted to share. And, again, it's not a, you know... <laughs> I hate the whole prosperity gospel teaching that is so rampant out there because, again, while I think a lot of the people that sort of in that movement have a good heart, they're, they're basically trying to teach people that, uh, as one pastor says, that God is a cosmic, uh, you know, ATM, and, and he's, he's not at all, but he is an incredibly generous, caring, loving uh, God who wants to bless us, but who also knows that he can destroy us by blessing us if our heart isn't right. And so that's at the end of the day where I felt like I've been off and on over the years is there are times when, when I believe God really wanted to bless me, but he knew if, if he did, it would destroy me. And, uh, and so it's just a journey. It's, you know, we never get to a point where we're going to understand it all completely because God's too complex and you know, how ridiculous of us to think that we can ever know everything there is to know about him. So I'm just grateful that I have brothers like Keith and Kent that I can walk this out with. Uh, I'm grateful for the heart that, that Keith brings to our leadership in this church. Uh, and I'm thankful to all of you for who you are. The, our church is in tremendous financial shape. It's healthier now financially than it's ever been. Uh, we have a, a very generous congregation, so none of this is about the needs of New River Fellowship, and, and I appreciate that so much, again, with Keith and Kent, and, and, you know, we're together several hours a week as a rule, and a lot of that time is spent 
talking and praying about how to better serve all of you and to live out what God is calling us as a leadership to do. So I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. that We're so appreciative that you're who you are. Thank you, brother. Let me tell you, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I've been in a few other churches. I don't know um, many leaders who are you know, elders in a church where they'll stand before a church and say, hey, here's where I fell short. I don't know. I just don't know many leaders who want to say, hey, I didn't have it all figured out, and I just had to step out in a way, and I've watched God do amazing things. That takes guts. Thank you for doing that, Bob. Thank you for releasing your testimony. Uh, it's so meaningful. So um, here, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're a little bit over. Um, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. They're bringing baskets right now. <laughs> They're bringing baskets. But here's, here's what's happening. In those baskets... It's not, they're not empty, they're envelopes. And in every one of those envelopes is an amount of money, anywhere from five to $100. And what we're going to do is we're gonna pass these baskets and we want you to not give, we want you to take. We want you to take an envelope and here's what we're gonna ask. Whatever you get in that envelope, would you give it? Would you give it away? Give it to somebody that's in need. You might get five bucks, you might get $100. I don't know what you're going to get. You might wanna get together the group and and help pull your money together. You might wanna add some of your own money to give it to you. Right now, you might be thinking of somebody who's in really in need and you wanna give to them. Or you might not know anybody and you're, you're fixing to have a really cool experience at a gas station for somebody that needs something. I don't know, God's going to tell you how to give. But this church is gonna be generous. We're not going to do this as a church. I'm not going to preach to you and ask that we become a generous people and then us as a church do this. We're going to give. We're going to be radical givers. And I pray that God would, that in just doing this act, that God would release. You guys can go ahead and pass the basket since I'm, I'm going to finish this up. So just when you get a basket, uh, when you get it, the basket, just take it. Take an envelope. Everybody in this room gets one. If, if you're sixth grade or older, <laughs> if you've passed, if you're sixth grade or older, Listen, if you're sixth grade or older, you take, you take. Students, you're, you're meant to be radical givers. You want to hear that? Listen, I want you to know that this church is going to, be, listen, your investment here, this church, listen, you guys do as God calls you to, cheerfully, gladly, with a full heart. You want to give to this church, give to this church. You don't want to give to this church, that's great. Listen, but we're going to operate in the generosity of God as a church. We're going to call us up to that place, and that's where we're going to operate. We're going to operate out of that spirit, okay? So you have an amount of money to give away. I'd say, here's what I want you to do. Give it away in the next 10 days, and here's what I would just ask, if you're willing, is that you testify to what God did. And you may know what God did. You might give some money, and you don't have any idea what God did with it. Uh, but you might know what it did inside of you to be able to give. I want you to testify. In fact, we just created an email uh, address, and I don't know if I, I didn't give it to you, but it's generosity at newriverfellowship.com. If you get a chance to write this down, if you, or just if you can remember, if you've got a decent memory. Generosity, generosity at newriverfellowship.com. And if you just email in what God did, and, and, and it just testify to what the Lord did, and if you know what he did in the other person that you gave to, great. If you don't know, uh, that's great too. When everyone, everyone needs to have an envelope. 
But we just want to hear what, we we love to hear God's stories. We want to hear God's stories, and so if you get a chance to give away, if you, if you feel, thank you, generosity at newerfellowship.com, feel, email us there. We'd love that. Um, listen, I, the only thing I would say is don't take an envelope if you're not willing to give. I just want, we just want to be radical givers. If you're like, I'm just not ready to give, this is my thing, or this seems kooky, you're a weirdo, or any of that kind of stuff, that's cool. Just don't take an envelope. That's not, um, but we want to be able to radically bless and, and be generous, okay? Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray over us. We are way over. You want to talk about generosity. Uh, you, you guys thank the children's ministry people who have been radically generous because they have now 20 minutes of unstructured time in their service. So, um, so we're just trusting that God's put pouring into them. I'm going to pray over us. And if you will, just would you hold your hands out in an attitude of receiving because we're about to give Father, we receive from you because we recognize there ain't a dime that we get. There's not, a, there's not any, any resource in this life that comes apart from your generous, your generous giving, your generosity. So we receive now. Some of us, you're convicting God to step out in new ways and fresh ways and in a heart of generosity, and we just want to receive. That even that has to come from you. A spirit of generosity has to come from you. Would you give it radically? Lord, there's many ways that you want us to bless the community around us, to bless each other, to love each other. God, we want to do that faithfully. Lord, we love you. Would you lead us faithfully this week? Would you help us to be radically generous in our heart, our mind, our thoughts? And we want to see, we want to test you and see you open up the floodgates, all that you want to do. Would you release us, God? We love you, and in your name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings. We'll see you.